I'm Clint Emerson, and welcome to season two of Can You Survive This Podcast, where the interview is just as dangerous as the scenarios I put my guests through. From hostage situations to natural disasters, carjackings, active shooters, and more, if you're looking for the skills necessary to survive these situations, then this is the show for you. Hey, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Can You Survive This Podcast. Uh, as usual, we appreciate any reviews, five stars, and of course, you know the rugged life is out well on its way. If you haven't picked up a copy, please do. You can do it on Amazon, Walmart, Target, or anywhere books are sold. And I always appreciate the support. Today, we have AKA the Blonde Bomber, a pro boxer. Uh, what? A math teacher? IBF bantamweight world champion Ebony Bridges on the show today. Thanks for coming on. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks of course. For me. And you are a half a world away. You're uh, where? Outside of Sydney? Is that where you're at, or where are you at? Well, uh, I've actually I'm in the UK at the moment. Um, yeah, so I um, I've moved over to I literally just moved to the UK two three weeks ago. Oh, really? So you left Australia, yep. now you're in the UK permanently. Yeah, yeah. You know, you got to chase your dreams, man. you got to do Oh, okay. What you got to well, do. Well, we're going to talk more about your move to the UK and the why here in a minute. But first, we'll do a little bit of a rapid fire so that we can kind of get warmed up, all right? So I'm going to give you two choices. You pick which one, and then I will circle it, your answer, and then we'll circle back around and you tell me why you picked what you picked. Okay, so you ready? Yeah. All right. Uppercut or hook? Uppercut. <laughs> Water or fire? Water. <laughs> that was uh, odd. SAS or a fight? A fight. <laughs> Math or science? Math. I would hope that was the answer. <laughs> weighing in at 52 kilograms or weighing in at 53 kilograms? 53. Go to the high end, yep. Uh, body build or box? I mean, box. Depends on <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of throwing like, but I figure, you know, that's a tough wow. one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Sorry, we're going to come back to it. Yeah, we'll come back to it. And this is going back into your history a little bit. So karate yeah. or Muay Thai? Um, Muay Thai. Yeah. Tyson or Muhammad Ali? Tyson. Hell Yeah. All right, go back. We'll circle back to the top. Uppercut or hook? Is uppercut like your? What's your? What is your? What is your yeah. favorite? I mean, uppercut is the most. Uh, uppercut is one of the most uh, underused, uh, underused punches that are so effective, and I love an uppercut. I mean, I love throwing uppercuts. They sting, they hurt, and people don't expect them. So they're they're a good they're a good punch, and it sets up for a lot of other things. Yeah, I love it. I love a good uppercut. Yeah, yeah, I I. I don't think anytime I've boxed, and I still box every morning, but nothing like what you're doing. But um, I just feel it, it doesn't feel uh, uppercut doesn't feel natural for me. I yeah. don't know if it's for anyone. I think, 
a lot of people, um, even boxers, they don't throw much. You know what I mean? Like a lot of, yeah. you know, boxers, um, it's underused. Like I said, it's the most, um, but it's, it's, it's an important punch and it's, it's spiteful, you know, and um, because it's not used as much as it probably should be by a lot of fighters, um, you don't see them coming. People aren't used to them. So, um, yeah, very good punch, but it can take a lot. It's a lot to master, I think, um, to get a really the right kind of uppercut. Yeah. Keep yeah. Keeps open if you throw an uppercut wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was surprised when I first really got into it and started learning how how explosive with your legs you have to be in yeah, order cool. to get a proper uppercut. I was like, oh, I didn't even yeah. think about that part. Yeah. I thought it was all shoulder, you know, all just hey. Yeah, I'm just gonna... I mean, a yeah. lot of people think that about boxing. Oh, it's really good for your upper body. I mean, it's all it's all legs for me. It's all feet and legs. You know, it starts there. If you don't have feet and legs, then you you can you're not going to be able to punch. You know what I mean? It's all feet and legs. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, okay, water or fire? This is kind of tapping into uh, SAS, but so you yeah. what? So you picked water? So, I yeah, because my biggest phobia is fire. So fire is my biggest phobia. I'm scared shitless of fire. But it's funny you said that because when I said water, I was like, wait a second. Unless you're involved, then <laughs> I don't know which one because they're both fucked. Like, like honestly, I I haven't been. This is no word of a lie. I have not been in the water since SAS. That's nearly a year, like almost a year that I have not been in the water since SAS because of all that drowning shit. I um, I just hate it. I just hate the water now. Um, but I mean, I wouldn't want to be burnt. So, you yeah. know, it makes it. Uh, so they're both they're both on par for me. You know, and I'm in Australia. I have a beautiful pool and everything like that, and I still didn't go in the water, and I just refuse to. I'm so happy now living in the UK. No one's going to be like, hey, you want to go to the beach? It's be like. No, um, I've had enough beach. <laughs> I know I should probably get over that, but I'm just, I'm just like, no, nah, I'm not doing water. That's funny. Well, um, yeah, it, it, I guess so. Now, fire and water is a phobia. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> I didn't realize, I didn't realize how bad I was at swimming until I started drowning. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of a bad the time to find that out. They do not float. Yeah. Yeah, you uh, but you're tough, you know. And for background for yeah. listeners, you know, this goes, you know, obviously Ebony was on SAS Australia, very popular show over there. That uh, I play an instructor, or not play, I am. I, we're all instructors; they're all recruits, and um, and one and of the uh, what's that? And he just wanted to drown us every day. Yeah, and I just like, wanted to drown drunk. you guys. Yeah, that was <laughs> well. They they gave me they gave me my little my little lane. To uh, you know, torture you guys yeah, in it all. Yep, and because I'm a seal, they're like, yeah, anything with water, Clint. You you run those evolutions, and I was like, oh, okay. All right. Um, yeah, and you poor guys were drowning left and right. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it was it was great. <laughs> I mean, but I pushed through, and I still got water every day. <laughs> That's right. You did great. Um, next one was SAS or a fight. You know, so yeah. would you do SAS again or a fight? You picked, of course, fight. I mean, I, look, I would, I would definitely do SAS again. I did it. I loved it, but um, I just like bashing bitches. I just like fighting. SAS, I didn't get to hit no one, and I like hitting people. And I mean, I'm very aggressive. You've seen me in the show. You know, I'm just aggressive, and, and that's what I love to do. Um, so I think I just is what I love to do. So I always choose boxing, but um, the SAS was good in different ways, um, challenging. You know. But yeah. um, yeah, yeah, and you, and you say fuck more than any person I know too. You haven't said it so, yet though. I'm surprised. Uh, 
haven't I? I might have. I mean, I usually say the C word even more, but I won't do that. <laughs> and did you I just say? I, say that more than, I even say that more than Ant Middleton. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, Ant does does say uh, the C word pretty regularly. Um, and yeah. did you just say you you just you love bashing bitches? Is that what you said? Yeah. Just, <laughs> I love it. I reckon, you got a t-shirt that says that, right? You got to have a t-shirt yeah. that says, I love bashing bitches. <laughs> I think only women are allowed to wear that shirt, though. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> um, all right. So then, of course, I had to throw in math or science because it's anchored yeah. to your background. You picked math, yeah. of course. You need math to prove science. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's a good linked. point. But I do... But obviously, maths is I prefer maths. <laughs> Do you so now? Are you still a practicing math teacher, or are you just one hundred percent pro boxer? Yeah, just pro boxer. I gave up my maths um, the teaching last year just because I was traveling so much. Um, last year I left the country. I left Australia and in, in uh, February or Mar- no March, and um, should go fight for my world title and then fight for a bunch of other fights. And I didn't get back till uh, September or two weeks before the SAS. Um, I didn't get back. So it was like September, end of September. Um, and I just couldn't, I had to give it up because I just knew I told my school in the beginning of 2021, I said, look, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get these opportunities. And I knew the, the world title was just around the corner and, and I had to give up the, the teaching. I said, look, I'm just going to go on a casual temporary. I don't know what you guys call it over there, but a casual basis where I gave up all my classes, but I'd still come in and teach. Um, but it just gave me that they weren't my classes. So I just cover other teachers and then it gave me that leeway to just be able to get up and leave if I needed to, which is what exactly what happened. So, yeah, that's cool. And now you're just hundred percent pro concentrate on your craft and continue being a badass. Yeah. I like it, but yeah. it is kind of cool that you're, you know, a pro boxer. That's also a math teacher. That's very unusual. Yeah. At least I've never heard of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. My students that, love it. <laughs> Yeah, I bet. You got the brains and the brawn. No, I do. I always, and I show them my fights and my training and I, I bribe them kind of. I'll be like, all right, guys, if you get your work done and you do really well, then I'm going to show you, I'll show you some of my um, my fights or my sparring or whatever. And they're like, all right. And they like work really hard. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, they love it. That is cool. That is very cool. All right. Next one, I gave you the low end of your weight category or the high end, which over there is 52 kilograms to 53 kilograms. Here in the United States, that's 115 pounds to 118 pounds. So you you go in heavy. You go in trying to max out. Is that the is that the game plan? Yeah, pretty much. I, I, I cut like uh, eight pounds or nine pounds that week, you know, so I'll go in and um, I'll go into fight week at around 126 ish and then i'll cut down to 118 i usually get to be fair i usually jump on the scales about 117 118 but then when i jump back in the ring i'm back to 126 127 so i mean i'm just i like to be heavier you know and um it's yeah it gives me that strength that weight advantage and strength advantage i mean i'm already strong anyways from my years of bodybuilding um but it's just yeah i you know when you've got that weight it does help yeah yeah now how do you cut like what's the what is your secret <laughs> you know, yeah. remedy to cutting weight. I feel like my, I feel like my secret is, is um, I'm very clean. I'm a very clean eater when I start getting, like, I mean, I eat clean anyways, but with camp, I'm very clean, but I have a lot of carbs. So, cause I'm mainly fueling my workout. So it's really important. I, 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 I eat for, for performance and eat for energy. Um, because I eat so clean and I cut out all the snacks and everything like that. And I'm just literally fueling my workout. Um, um, once I get to fight week, I cut out all those carbs and I cut all the water 
I'm sorry, cut out all the carbs, cut out all the salt. And then because carbs hold water and salt holds water, I just, I dropped, man. I just drop it like that because um, I've been feeding myself that. Um, and then I'll cut my water like the day before and then that's it, you know. Um, when I just cut my carbs and salt, I'll, I'll lose like, you know, five pounds um, just from that. So, um, and then just for my fight, you know, if I cut didn't cut the water before, I maybe have to do a 10-minute bath or something. But, yeah, it's not much. I, as you see, no, you know, people that know me know when I jump on the scales, I'm full of energy and I'm full of life because I do cut well. Um, I don't do anything. I, I never starve myself. I always eat. Even though I've cut my carbs, I still have a lot of food um, in that fight week because um, it's all done right. And if yeah. I wasn't if I wasn't fueling my body and I wasn't eating a high calories throughout my camp, I like, you know, um, to fuel my workouts, then – then it'd be you wouldn't be able to do that because if you've already cut so much out of your diet for like last you know six weeks or eight weeks and you try and cut more like what are you gonna do like you know the only way to cut is to go eat nothing so you have to it has to be very planned you know you have to set up for the you have to set it all up so it's 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 all um it's all timing of it all and um you know runs in in what's the word like consecutive things you know so um yeah Got it. Yeah, that's that's all good info. I think everyone can uh, appreciate that whole pre-planning part. It's difficult to do. So do you have other folks that kind of help you with all that or do you do yeah. it all yourself? I have a dietitian. Well, I've always been really well um, dieting. Like being a bodybuilder, <laughs> dieting is next level. Um, yeah, because I did 10 years of bodybuilding, um, it really set me up dieting for for boxing because it's it made boxing really, really easy because <laughs> I get to eat heaps of carbs and I get to eat like fruit and all this kind of stuff that I didn't really get to do when I was bodybuilding because it's bodybuilding is this next level strict, you know? Um, so I was always very disciplined with my food. Um, and I also gave up that relationship and that connection of food for flavor, f- food for taste and food for f- pleasure a long time ago. So I don't, I don't relate food and pleasure or food and taste. So I'm a, because of that, I'm easy to just eat plain and eat simple and I don't crave and it doesn't bother me. Um, yeah, that's, that's good. You know, and I, I had to do that obviously with bodybuilding, and it's just carried it on, really. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm good in discipline. I definitely have someone that's um, that's you know experienced to guide me. Right. No, that's good. I like it. Um, and of course, we I gave you the choice of bodybuilding, knowing that you had an extensive background in that against boxing, which is what you do now. Yeah. You obviously yes. picked boxing, right? I mean, <laughs> so yeah. Look, I chose boxing um, because boxing is obviously – I love boxing. I really do. Um, I've been a boxing fan since I was younger. Um, and it's – I would say it's easier in a way because I love it so much. And um, it's a different kind of hard um, – it's more of a physical hard. I mean, mentally it's hard as well, like anything when you're at an elite level. Um, but bodybuilding was just savage. Like, I mean, it was just hardcore. Like – when I think about it, I'm like, how did I do that for so long? Like, I mean, I won a lot of things and I won, you know, so many titles and stuff. So obviously, you know, winning, it, it does help um, to keep you motivated. But, um, yeah, I just, it's, it's, it's intense, man. And I think the discipline, the discipline and the mindset in a way that you need to diet like that and lift those kind of weights, like, and to the degree where, like, I would be wanting to cry because I'm tearing my muscle. And, like, it was just intense. Like, I just, it was, like, torture for 10 years, you know, we're boxing. I'm like, I love boxing. I like watch it all day. I, I love hitting people. <laughs> like I like, you know, all of that stuff and the food's great. So yeah, I mean, it's, that's why I was like, boxing's great. <laughs> but if you, were to say to me, if you, if you were to say to me, what's the hardest sport, I would definitely say um, bodybuilding is, is hard. Um, it's not physically harder. Like, it, you know, like it, 
and obviously you're not getting hit and stuff, but it's, I felt like it's it was it was it was harder. Yeah, it's it's hard on your body, right? It's not that yeah. healthy. It's not a no, healthy way to go. It's not yeah. healthy. Not healthy. I'm broken. <laughs> it is right. not healthy. Yeah. Healthy, but uh, yeah. But hey, it's all set set me up for now because I have a discipline like no other. The body, a lot many boxers have the discipline that I have with my nutrition, my training, and just my my mindset that I have of, you know, through bodybuilding that mindset of not quitting. You know, too bad if you're in pain, you keep got to tell those muscles drop set uh, partial sets. Like you know, too bad you can't like skip cardio because if you skip cardio, then you're gonna jump on jump on that stage under those lights and you're gonna look fat. You know, so it was like all this stuff that. You don't want to, you know, it's just intense. And, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's told me that. It's probably a bit fucking extreme, to be fair, but um, it's definitely definitely helped set me up for, for being successful now. Yeah, dude. Yeah, you're doing great. Hey, this is Clint Emerson, retired Navy SEAL. I get a lot of questions about my morning routine. So here it is in a nutshell. 5 a.m., wake up. First cup of coffee, I dump Bub's Naturals MCT oil in there. And then I mix it around with one of those little automatic stir spoon thingies that make it all frothy and creamy. And then my second cup, I dump Bub's Naturals collagen in there. Now, the reason I do both is the first one, MCT, fuels my brain. It gets me up, allows me to focus on whatever I've got going on. The second cup of coffee has collagen, which honestly, it's like lubrication for my joints. It makes my neck and my shoulders, my left hip and my left knee feel pretty damn good. And it wasn't until I went over to Australia that I realized that this stuff really does work. I was overseas for about 45 days. And in the first week, I wasn't so focused in the morning. In fact, I was a little foggy. And my neck was hurting. My shoulders were hurting. And I thought to myself, eh, it's just jet lag. Different pillow. A different mattress. And then it dawned on me, I don't have my bubs with me. The day I got back to the States, I immediately started back up, and within a week of being home, I was focused again, my joints didn't hurt, and I was like, holy, I can tell you that Bub's Naturals works. Great for your skin and hair, by the way. Everything feels good. Unlike a lot of supplements out there, it actually works, and that's the key takeaway here. It works. I'm telling you you will notice a difference. Check out bubsnaturals.com and order some MCT and collagen now. And don't forget to use promo code CANYOUSURVIVE. So you started with karate and then moved into Muay Thai. I asked you which one, of course, Muay Thai, because who wouldn't pick that over karate? (laughs) Honestly, Muay Thai, because I get the elbow people and like shin and knee people. Yeah, exactly. It's a little more brutal and it's more fun. I mean, karate is just all about going through the motions and earning belts. Muay Thai is all about kicking ass. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's an obvious one. And then, of course, Tyson versus Muhammad Ali. You pick Tyson. What's your What's your big why there? Um, with Tyson is because I just like his style. I can relate to his style. I'm very aggressive myself and very explosive, and I just like his. Um, his relentlessness and his, his power and stuff, you know, um, I just, I just can resonate it a lot more with my style. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's extremely entertaining, but I respect Muhammad Ali. Of course, he's incredible, the boxing and, and his style, but two very different styles. Yeah. And then outside of Tyson and Muhammad Ali, who's your current, like favorite kind of heavyweight guy I mean, or whichever. Yeah. I mean, I would say like current boxer who's still boxing, I would have to say probably Canelo, 
um, he's he's exciting or like Josh Taylor. I really like Josh Taylor. Um, Sean Porter, who just who just retired. Um, but yeah, those yeah. guys. Josh Taylor, he's, that dude's an animal, right? Taylor. Oh, Josh. He's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then what do you, what do you, I got to ask at least, you know, you can't talk about boxing without bringing up, what is it, Jake Paul or what is that? Is, is it oh, Jake yeah. Paul? Yeah. So what are your thoughts on that, on that kid? And I, good on him, man. You know what? To be honest, um, he's, 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 people give him a lot of shit, but you know what he's doing? He's, He's built his brand. He put in the hard work and he put in um, – he's done what he's had to do to build his name to where it is in his, in his industry and what it's done to build that to get where he is to have the name that he has, it would have taken hard work. It didn't happen overnight and he would have had to slow it out just like anyone in anything to be successful. And now he's come over and he's making money off his name in, in boxing and we all know it's not real boxing. Mind you, he does a lot for boxing. And he's doing like, especially women's boxing, he's got Amanda Serrano there helping out, you know, like he's genuinely, I think he genuinely supports boxing. I've never, I've never disliked um, Jake Paul because he just is very good promote, promoting. He's great at promoting himself. He knows how to sell. And um, I'm exactly the same. And that's why I'm such a big brand and such a big name. And people can say to me, like, because of how I am on the scales and how I look, you know, that I don't take it seriously and, and I shouldn't be where I am. I'm just getting where I am because of my looks. I'm like, no, I'm just being smart and using everything I fucking got. Do you know what I mean? And and if that's what makes money, that's what makes money. And I can fight, you know, to back it up. Jake Paul can't quite fight, but he's making money and good on yeah. him. If that's you know, make money out of it, that's fine. But you know what? It's not like he's threatening. He's not out there taking people's opportunities, getting belts that he doesn't deserve because he's not there. He's just making money and making it. He's doing – I feel like this TikTok famous YouTube fights, it's not boxing. It's like it's another sport, mm-hmm. you know, and you just like that because if you look at it like boxing, then you're going to always be disappointed and you're going to be like, it's just stupid. But if you're like, look, it's literally just entertainment. These guys are just entertaining their fans and their followers and they're getting paid a shitload for it and they're bringing eyes on it, unboxing, but actually getting some decent boxes on the undercard as well or having people like Amanda Runner and Katie Taylor lap fight. That's incredible for women's boxing. Wouldn't have been done without Jake Paul, you know? So yeah. got to give him respect. Yeah, yeah, I so, agree. I think, yeah, I don't think any of his fights are really fights, but you make a great no. point. He is shed, He's putting a huge spotlight back on boxing, so it's helping yeah. the community overall and that's that's a good thing. Yeah, he's getting he's getting people that aren't even doing boxing because he's got all these followers to watch boxing. You know, they might become boxing fans. I'm like, actually, I like this. So he's just bringing more eyes on the sport, and that's kind of what I've done um, with the way I am. You know, because I just I'm different and I choose to be the how I am, and it's bringing a different niche. You're not your same plain, boring. You know, small, small, tiny niche of female boxing fans. Bringing yeah. something different opens opens up the eyes and goes, wait a second, this is something different. Maybe we want to watch this. Then they yeah. do, and they're like, "Oh wow, you know, you got to get the right. eyes in at first. The eyes are in to watch. You got to bring him in somehow. And once you bring him in, then they they choose to stay or not. You know, and that depends on your performance and what you're doing. Right. So one of your tactics to draw the eyes in is uh, showing up to weigh-ins in lingerie. So yeah, when did you when did you decide to start doing that? And then was it was it strategic? Was it like, hey, if I uh, want to stand out in the crowd, I'm going to show up with lingerie on? Or what was the thought behind that? It wasn't. It was just like me being me. Um, like I said, I was a bodybuilder for 10 years and I used to stand on stage in a G-string flexing 
you know, and I was a card girl at Ringo um, for ten for those ten years or through my twenties as well, walking around the ring in a G string because back then Ringos wore G strings and bikinis, you know. So um, it was just something I just always did. So when I jumped the scale, of course, I want to show off my body like a bodybuilder because I'm like, look at my body, and I want to like do little cute turns and and have have that same stage presence on the scales that I would have on stage, and that's pretty much what I've done. What I did was is I made my my weigh-ins another event for myself so I could enjoy it and I could bring my bodybuilding, which I did love being on stage and bodybuilding. I bring that little bit of bodybuilding, like, you know, uh, suave over to the boxing by making it a little bit of an event and being up, you know, doing my makeup, making my hair pretty, putting my tan on, like, you know, and doing cute little turns, obviously not full flexing like a bodybuilder and not being as ripped. But it's still, um, it, it's the same thing. It was just that's what it was. I was just like, well, this is what I love to do, and why should I dress like everyone? Else? Why should I wear the same underwear that anyone else wears? Everyone wears matching Calvin Klein underwear. It's so like standard. Like I'm like, why would I want to wear? I would never wear that. So I'm gonna wear my nice, nice lingerie that I like to wear, you know. And to be fair, other women have done it before me, but the difference is, I think, is the presence that I have on on the scales because I bring that bodybuilding kind of, you know, posing and. And also because I've got big bolt-ons. <laughs> it's like, wow, what tits on a boxer? Like, you know, like they, they're like so hot. <laughs> you know, whoa, wait, no. What, she's feminine? She's a boxer? She's feminine? No. You know what I mean? And because I own that femininity because why can't we be feminine? Why can't we be pretty? Why can't we be girly and punch on? Why? You know? Yeah. I don't, you know, because of the stereotype that's been around for years because pretty girls don't fight. You're too pretty to fight. Too feminine because you know only butch masculine women fight. No, <laughs> I'm changing that shit. Yeah, and I think that's and great. Champ. Yeah, and you're the world the champ. <laughs> <laughs> you're the champ. You can do whatever you want. Um, that's right. And and I think it's good. Like during this age, right? I mean, what are what are your pronouns, Ebony? What are your pronouns? <laughs> I am badly a woman. I am like yeah. love being, and then I think I'm proud to be a woman. I don't want to be like a man. I, now, I look, I believe we've got equality, but I know we don't want to really go into it because we could go into it. But I think we should be, you know, trying to lose the femininity and try and be so equal. Just be women and, you know, be, be feminine. And I love that it's women's boxing. I'm proud to be a female, a, a woman, a female fighter. You know, I know everyone wants to, it's just boxing, you know, it's boxing, it's all boxing. I go, yeah, but I'm a woman and I'm proud to be a female fighter. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 a good thing. We should be proud, you know. As you should, yeah, yeah. I think uh, you're obviously doing it all right, you know. And and you're uh, and you're a world champion now, and you got that title and belt. What is your current? What is your current? Uh, yeah, what's your current record? My current record is eight and one um, and three KOs. Um, but yeah, so I've done pretty well. You know, I had my first world title fight um, on my, I think, oh God, I think it was my fifth fight, my sixth fight, and I had my first world title fight. I lost in a um, very controversial loss, um, and I was blind in one eye for, like, you know, the last four rounds. I couldn't stay out of my eye, but I kept going, and um, I still think I won. A lot of fans think I won, so we're looking for that rematch. But, yeah, and then, you know, just I just beat the longest reigning champion in my division, Um you know, in Cecilia Roman, she she held the title and defended it, I think, eight times. She had the title for, like, five-plus years. And um, I'm, you know, the first girl to knock the reigning champ off the other champs that kind of got vacant titles or just be, you know, like a, a freshie. So um, that's a pretty big achievement, you know, from the blonde bomber 
He's just a laundry model, apparently. <laughs> yeah, and a math proving teacher. All, yeah. Proving that is wrong. That's what I'm doing, clean. Yeah, you're doing it right. Yeah, and you're a math teacher on top of that. Are any of them math teachers? Huh? Can they teach math? Probably not. Yeah. No. <laughs> Can right. they do calculus? No, that's right. That's what you should do. You start pulling calculus out in the ring. So, you, you, <laughs> um, so now let's kind of go backwards. You know, you grew up in Australia. You grew up with karate, Muay Thai. I mean, where did the where is the where did the teaching part come from? You know, in the middle of your your kind of your dreams or your ambition to become a, a boxer was it? Is math actually a passion, or is it just a path that yeah. you took? No, I love. I do love maths. I've always loved maths. It was always my favorite subject, and I, um, I just wanted to. You know, I had a really rough teens, really traumatic teens, and um, I changed my life. And I was very lucky to have good supportive parents that helped me. But I did change my life, and I pretty much had a second chance at life. And I, um, I wanted to be someone. I wanted to go back to the schools and teach and be around kids like me and how I was and be able to get them at a young age and get in their heads at a young age to stay clear of things and to believe in themselves and to know that if you just try and if you just believe in yourself, you know, give up on yourself that anything's possible and you can change your life at any time and change it no matter what, you know, um, some kids, you know, they have like I've taught in mainly rough schools and really underprivileged schools come from very bad backgrounds, very bad families, you know, horrible things have happened. And um, I think it's important to teach these kids that um, no matter what, where you come from, no matter what you've been through, no matter what's happened to you, it's always, you always, there's always a chance. There's always, you still got a life, there's still the future, you know, you, you can still always, um, I'm changing, you know, sculpt what's, what's to come starts with your mindset. And I think it starts with someone like, you know, me being able to go to, and, and I believe math is like, it's, Without, I don't know how much time you have, but honestly, math is one of the best subjects to be able to do that with because I have classroom rules in my classroom and, uh, you know, you've got the standard ones, but one of my rules is um, banned words. And it's not, that not, it's not that I care if they swear, but I'd rather them swear than say these words and they're not allowed to say, I can't, it's too hard and I'm dumb because if they say that, they're already setting themselves up, you know what I mean? I think it's really important for them not to not to say that. And I find with maths, they're the most common words that I hear from my kids. I can't do it. Oh, it's too hard. Oh, I'm just dumb. Miss. And I'm like, no, you're not. Like you just got to try Like in anything in life, if you try and if you believe in yourself, you can probably do it. You know, you just got to keep at it and persevere. And it happens with math, man. Because these kids, once they open their mind up to the possibility of the fact they actually can do it, you know, instead of being so closed that they can't and they're just dumb and they're just not a math person. But if they can open their mind, oh, actually, maybe I can learn this. I and I will just try it because if I keep trying, just like a skill, if you're kicking a soccer ball or something, you don't miss the goals the first time and go, that's it, I'm shit. I'm never going to be able to kick a soccer ball ever again. No, you keep trying. And that's the same with algebra. It's the same with math. You know, you just got to, you can't, the first question you get wrong, think, no, nah, I'm shit, I'm dumb. You know, it doesn't work like that. you got to keep trying. you got to believe. And um, I believe that's a foundation of, of success in life, you know, and not giving up when it gets hard and if you fail, you know, as a test, it's okay. Just try and be better the next time. You know what I mean? It's, it's all about that. So um, I'm really about positive mindset in my classroom and it's more about that than maths, but I just use the math as a tool to teach that mindset and, and, and it works, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I see the kids transform, transform in my classroom. There's nothing like it. My passion for teaching is, is on par with my boxing. 
very hard yeah. for me to give up teaching. It's very hard for me to give up teaching because I love being able to inspire these kids. So I just went on a fucking mad tangent then because I am very passionate about teaching. But that's why I went back to school because I wanted to help kids because of what I went through and to know that, you know, if I can do it, you can do it kind of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, that's great. And I think uh, we need more teachers like that. Hell, we just need more teachers, you know? Nobody wants yeah. to do that job these days. And it's, uh, yeah. I know school districts here in the United States are having a hard time. You got, especially yeah. after the pandemic, you had a exodus of yeah. teachers out of, uh, out of uh, the same. The, districts yeah it's crazy yeah it's the same in australia um it's like teachers don't want to go to school anymore <laughs> you know yeah. um and they're just desperate for teachers so desperate for casual teachers and temp teachers it's 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 horrible and it's unfortunate for the generation you know what i mean um because i just know what it's like when i have a day or two off if i had to have a day or two off in school the kids lose it you know the t teachers that come in and, and substitute aren't going to teach them especially not math it's good luck getting math substitute you know so they're just losing two days of class you know and, um, yeah, it's just, it's bad for kids to be out of routine. So it's hard. Yeah. Well, we heard that, you know, you were kind of like not doing an only fans page because you were worried <laughs> about jeopardizing your teaching career. So now that that's out the window or, so what are you doing? You're doing <laughs> only fans now? Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, I want to make millions, right? Cause I would make millions just off my feet. <laughs> <laughs> there's some weird feet yeah i've heard that the whole yeah. foot fetish thing uh, i don't know what but hey no honestly um it's definitely not out of the question um it's something that i would be very open to doing now that i'm not going to be back in the classroom um but it is also my priority is remaining a champion and keeping my belt and unfortunately for only fans you gotta fucking take photos and you got and you know all this shit and i couldn't be bothered with all that you know and i don't even like you know only fans you don't even I could just literally, I put a picture of me up in my bikini the other day. It's just, just my bikini top. And it got like over 400,000 views in 24 hours and like over a million engagements. And that's just a bikini top. You know what I mean? So I wouldn't even, you know, I could just do it and just be in a bikini or just be in my training <laughs> and they will pay, you know, and I make money. Like it's, and or my feet and my socks. So, you know, like I'm the telling sweat, you right yeah. now. We're going to, you know, as we, as we learned during SAS that you've had people spend like, pretty serious money for your sweaty socks right let's get let's talk about let's revisit that subject again yeah yeah like so I'm now sure that like you're now that you're a champ what are your socks going for these days i know yeah they should be going for more about look a thousand a thousand a thousand dollars is um is usually is a pretty good um affordable kind of thing for people i think if i start going more if i if i sell my fight socks um it's obviously a lot more for my fight socks because they're my fight socks but it's my everyday training socks yeah it's a thousand dollars so isn't that um, nuts like i remember when you were going through ses and you know we'd have these kind of sidebar conversations and i remember yeah. Aunt, all of us going like what the fuck people are buying your <laughs> socks and you're like yeah they spent like six hundred dollars on my sweaty socks we're like yeah. who the fuck yeah. spends money on sweaty socks <laughs> 500 pounds they were buying hey man they pay they pay 150 dollars for just a picture of my dirty socks on the floor not even on my feet you know what i mean like these people like they yeah, and and you know you know that that OnlyFans is literally a hub for these kind of people, for these Findom, pay pigs, um, foot people. Like it's <laughs> it's a hub for it. So why not take it? You know, um, yeah. but it's about timing. So I'm sure once I feel like as soon as I announce, you know, if I if, when I you know when when it's just a matter of fucking time. Let's be real. Um, that I'm going to do an OnlyFans. <laughs> 
I think um, I think I'll probably make like a hundred thousand in the first week. <laughs> <laughs> that is nuts. Yeah, I, I wonder if I took a picture of my sweaty socks laying on the ground, how much I'd get. I don't think I'd get any. I think I'd lose followers. You know, that's just kind of. <laughs> I don't think it works the same for guys as it does for for you ladies. <laughs> yeah. We will be right back after the break. Now, have you had any women buy or uh, is it all men? Uh, yeah, men, mainly men. Yeah. And to be fair... From the UK, um, except for one guy from the Netherlands who spent, he spent like two two and a half thousand dollars on a pair. He wanted he spent two and a half grand on a pair of socks. But otherwise, all my all my sock customers have been in the UK. <laughs> for all I know, I'm walking down the street and they're walking past me. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So now, a funny story. I yeah. actually had one come to greets. You know, I did like um, like fan like signings and order and meeting greets, and um, he messaged me after and he was like, "Hey, so." And he sent me a photo of me and him, and he was like, oh, I didn't want to ask you um, for a picture of your feet while I was at the main green. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I met you. That's nuts. Nuts. Oh, shit. Normal people thought, you know, it could be your mate. That's right. Yeah. I mean, you know, the fetish world, you know, you just really know, you really don't know what's going on in, you know, the perfectly well, normal yeah. looking person's mind. Yeah. And actually, um, there's a bit of a science or biology behind it. It's an actual. It is. It's not. I say it's not their fault. Um, there's there is um, sensors in your brain. There's a map. I forgot what it's called. And there's a part in your brain that's for each sense in your body, right? And actually, yeah. the 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 part of the brain that's um, that is the sensors for your feet is right next to the genitals. So some people. It just gets a bit blurred because I mean, in their brain. So because it's so close, the, sen the, the sensory is so close. Um, so that's why they have these foot fetishes because they, it's right next to the, the, the genitals. So that's actually the science behind it. But um, yeah, huh. maybe there might be some don't have that in their brain, but that's apparently what it is. That's, I mean, I've researched. Yeah, you obviously, if you're, <laughs> if you got, just want to understand my clients. You want to understand your clients. That's I think that's wise. That's a good business move. <laughs> and especially if you've got that many people wanting your feet, wanting your socks, taking buying pictures of your sweaty socks. I mean, there's you know I, I, I do I do a question on my um on my Instagram and I'll put a question up. I did it the other day and I put like you know questions and answers and I have my legs up. But of course I always censor my feet. I always censor my feet and because um, I don't give freebies right. And then the amount of like I get. <laughs> Hundreds, and I'm telling you about 30% of the questions, and I'm talking about hundreds, are show us your feet. I want to see your feet. Show us your feet. Don't, you know, how much for feet, how much to see your feet. Like, and I just, every time I do that, every time I go get a pedicure and I'll like cover my um, feet with a little sensor, little sensor sticker, and I'll be like, DM me for the final product, and I'll, I'll make bank, man, that day. <laughs> like, it's, it's great. <laughs> oh, what a world. Can you imagine? <laughs> Clean, it's all tactics. <laughs> it is, yeah. You got good business strategy. You should write, yeah, you should definitely, you should do a business book next. You need to write a business book. Give it the the foot fetish business title of some sort, too. I think it would do well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. shit. That's crazy. That is so crazy. Now, well, you know, I guess at the end of the day, everyone has their uh, their attractions, right? You, you're If you could be attracted to someone's eyes, then sure, why not be attracted to their feet as well? 
Yeah. <laughs> and if See it puts that? money in my pocket, I'm out. I'm going to use it. <laughs> Say that again. Puts money in your pocket, you're going to use it? Money in my pocket, then I'm going to use it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, hey, you know, it's, it's, you do it while you can, right? I mean, why not? <laughs> um, all right. So, the other the other piece is uh, kind of in where we met, obviously on SAS, and we've kind of touched on it. But was there a uh, was there a favorite moment and a, and a worst moment, kind of through your through your uh, time on SAS? Did you kind of have any um, kind of standout moments? Uh, moments. Um. I feel like there was, I mean, the first thing that, this is so weird, but the first thing that comes to my head as a standout thing that I liked was the pepper spray. <laughs> I love the pepper spray. It was weird because I liked that it hurt so much and I was able to fight through it. I love that, like, that I was the only one not buckling. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and you were there. Like, I was, I, I snapped a little bit for a second, but, I mean, I I thought, like, I handled that so much better than everyone else. And I, I like that because I like pushing through pain and I like the mentality that needs to be pushed through pain and get things done through pain. I went into that show with a broken hand. I literally busted my hand three weeks before I was, I had a, um, a hand brace on my hand in that show, as you yeah, know, when I was right. taking, yeah. taking the brace off on for the activities just so I could do it. And every time I had to hold things, like it was so much pain, but I just liked that challenge of proving that pain is in your head, you know? And, um, I really, weirdly enjoy that i mean um i've done it many times in my fight pushing through pain with my eye and my hand and snapped ankles and stuff so yeah i kind of enjoy that side and i um enjoyed i really enjoyed the um the assault courses i love that because you just smash you have to think just smash it you know what i mean yeah. i like things where i have to think and probably you know um i think the stuff that i obviously hated was all the water stuff i mean that fucking beehive was was just fucked like yeah. that was horrible. Um, I don't think much comes close to that. And also just um, being in, you know, with one thing about the SAS, I think that not taught me, but was interesting was um, obviously the first couple of days that I was really struggling with not being able to do things right or the best or like, I mean, I was just so pissed off that I wasn't doing it right, you know, and everyone in there was like, but you're still here or like you're still doing it. And I'm like, yeah, well, I'm not fucking here for participation, you know. Like, I didn't come. I knew I'd still be here because I don't quit, and I knew I'd do it because I'm not going to say no. Nah, I'm not going to do it. Like, I don't do that. But I, so that's all my high expectations. But the fact that I wasn't doing it right, I was like, man, that's shit. Like, <laughs> you know. And then I started to, and even I was thinking, like, man, all this stuff that I teach my kids about, you know, that positive self-talk and negative self-talk. Like, I was really struggling with it myself, especially when I was constantly feeling like I was failing. It was really hard to keep positive especially in that environment where you can't escape your fucking thoughts because you don't have a phone you don't i can't just go smash it like you know the boxing bags or go because when you fail in, in in boxing or when you fail in in life I, I think in a way it shows you that's just one way how not to do things right so next time you do it you do it a different way but it was really hard for me to not yeah. to only have one to know because then i was just left on that well you're shit that's you know what i mean um, and that was really eye-opening to me. Um, I was like, damn, <sighs> I need to like chill out <laughs> and not be so harsh on myself. I don't know if I've, I've changed much, but, um, <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. 
Yeah, you <clears throat> you were really hard on yourself at the beginning. I remember that. And then you you transitioned. You uh it was like a couple of days. Yeah. It was it was several days there where you were just so hard on yourself. But I think that's normal. Like selection processes, no matter which military, it takes the best athletes in the world, puts them in a position where they or forces them into an experience they've never had before. They're used to winning, right? So they walk into something, think I'm going to win. And then they realize, holy crap, I've never done this before. Then they find out yeah. that they're not good at that one little thing. And then it just buries them after that. And then, yeah. but here's the difference between you and them. Like me going through buds and seal training, you had some of the best athletes in the world quit on a regular basis because they couldn't handle failing something. But you, yeah. you had your issues, you punched through it, you transitioned, you literally flipped a switch. I remember one day, like mm -hmm. you could see it in your eyes, like now you were on, you were locked on. It yeah. took you a couple of days to get there and then boom. Yeah. But the difference yeah. is, is you didn't quit. You could have quit, but you didn't. You just kept no. driving forward and you figured out how to transition. And I think yeah. the key like to any of these types of programs is when you decide to just submit to it, right? You yeah. finally just give in, that's when you start actually doing well. Most people yeah. try to resist. They're resisting themselves, and they're not allowing themselves to just kind of submit to the process. But once you do, man, everything starts working out a whole lot better. Yeah, it was incredible. It was an incredible experience. And, um, so, you know, and obviously all the people in there were amazing. You you guys were all amazing, and um, all, all the recruits. It was just a great – it was a great experience. Yeah. Did you get to go to the uh, – the the equivalent the to the Emmys, yeah. Did you go? No, to that? I didn't. No. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't know how they invited people or who all got to go. So that looked. I saw yeah. a couple of pictures online. It looked looked cool. Looked like a I, good event. I, but I don't know if that was because I'm not from there. But I feel like you know, like Anna and Simone, like those guys that went, like they're always in the media doing that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like that's their thing. You know? um, so it makes kind of sense for them, I suppose. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, well, I just saw. I just thought it was cool that it got nominated in two different categories. Yeah. You know, I mean, just being nominated for what's equivalent to an Emmy is a big deal for a show. So, yeah, yeah super cool. Um, okay, so now it's time. Okay, you you uh, you survived SAS, but now we're going to see if you can survive this podcast. So, I'm going to give you a scenario. Are you ready? I think you're ready. I think you'll be fine. <laughs> we will be right back after the break. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and walk you through this. I haven't read this, so we're kind of going to do it together, but it'll be fun. Um, and once again, the goal is to give the listeners your view of how you would deal with a situation. Um, it may be the wrong answer on here, but it might be the right answer for your life, and that's okay. So here we go. For this, for this scenario, you are being paid to go do a motivational speech in a very small town in northern Ontario, Canada. To get mm -hmm. there, you must board a very small 10-person airplane. It's one of those little, you know, what we call puddle jumpers, okay? When you board the aircraft, you see there are only two other passengers plus the pilots on board, okay? So, yeah. first question. A, choose a seat towards the rear of the plane, or B, choose a seat closest to the front of the plane. 
Um, you've, you've actually survived a crash airplane in the show SAS. <laughs> yeah. I barely came out of the boat. I remember. I, I grabbed you and I was like, hey, are you good? And you were like, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were drowning. Yeah. Um, um, lift the front. The front. All right. Well, in the event of an emergency or crash landing, statistics show that the rear of the aircraft actually stays intact. Right now, <laughs> here's the question. Do, will you actually survive the fall out of the sky? Probably not. But will you be found pretty quick? Yeah, because you'll be in the rear part of the aircraft where it all stays together, right? The front and the, the mid and front usually is the part that falls apart and also goes up in yeah. flames because the fuel is in the wings, right? So, anyway, good, good job. We'll go ahead and say, yeah, you're wrong, but, you know, it's okay. So, you grab a seat in the rear of the plane, okay? And yeah. you, you take out your laptop to get some work done on the flight. While you're in the air, you start to feel some extreme turbulence, okay? The pilot makes an announcement that the sandwiches they brought for the flight meal will not be served due to extreme turbulence, and plus, it's got bread, so you probably wouldn't eat it anyway. And everyone needs to make sure that their seatbelts are fastened. The pilot sounds nervous, by the way. So do you, A, put your laptop away, secure all your stuff that you have with you, or B, just remain calm and keep working? <laughs> what I would do, well, what I would do is probably just keep working. I'm like, yeah, cool. This is fun. <laughs> Because <laughs> you're crazy like that. Yes. What I should probably do is put everything away and brace just in case. There you go. Yeah. It's probably a good idea to always put the stuff away when there's extreme turbulence because that laptop can become a projectile and knock your, you know, last thing you want to do is get, get knocked out by your own devices. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. So, yes, you put everything away. Knocked it all away. That's it. That's the right answer. So you put your laptop and stuff away. And lucky for you, you did prepare for worst case because the next thing you know, you hear the pilots say, everybody brace for impact. Okay? Um, you, do, you, you do brace, and now the plane has, like, kind of augured its way into the side of a mountain. All right? And, and, and luckily, you're still breathing. Okay? So do you, A... Get the hell away from the plane as quickly as possible, or B, stay put and assess your injuries. Oh. Go with your gut instinct. Go with your gut instinct. Gotta get away. That's right. Get away. Yeah, because you don't know what's next. Is the thing going to blow up or what? So if you're brief. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I'll find out how bad my injuries are as I move through them and whatever, but even if it was bad, you know. Push through. Just go. Look <laughs> out of the pain. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, right? Yeah, you need to get away from a crashed oh, aircraft. <laughs> Say no that legs, again? but you'll find a way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, my legs are broken. That's okay. I'll crawl. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's filled with fuel, right? You haven't been in the air long enough to burn the fuel off, so you know it's still full of fuel. Um, there's smoke coming from the wreckage. And they say that about 30% of people who survive a plane crash end up dying after the crash because of smoke, 
fire, fuel, and etc. Okay, um, so you get the hell away from the aircraft. Yeah. You get about 250 feet away, and then you feel pain. You look down, and you realize you've broken your right arm. Okay. It's a compound fracture, and it's bleeding pretty bad. Okay. So, do you A, go back to the wreckage for supplies, or B, just address the injury and the bleeding right then and there? I wouldn't go back to the plane. I'd just address it. Or, you know, ignore it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I love pain. I love blood. Yeah. Okay. Is that all you got? Is that all you got? (laughs) (laughs) Please. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. (laughs) I only I broke my arm. I should have broken everything. I only broke my arm. That's it. That yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no. Yeah. I would address it there. <laughs> exactly. All right. So yeah, top priority uh, is you know before anything else, you got to stop the bleeding. Really is the main thing here. Um, and then of course address the wound. But so you've temporarily temporarily stopped the bleeding and you've stabilized the wound. So do you a sit down and wait for help to come, or B, approach the wreckage cautiously and see if you can retrieve any supplies. Um, yeah, I, you know what? I'd probably do that. I don't know if I could just wait around them. <laughs> I mean, yeah. what should I do? Yeah, I, I, I would probably, if I feel like it was safe, I might have like waited a little bit and then be like, look, I think it's sweet, and then I would go an opportunity i think i'll go back to the blame yeah yeah your senses right your senses are (laughs) and your instincts are really driving this and if you're kind of seeing the smoke and you really don't see anything kind of crazy going on it's like well yeah get some supplies you know and and you don't even know if help is on the way by the way right so so yeah that's right you got to be smart if the plane is engulfed in flames it may be a little too dangerous to approach but once again you're kind of watch listen feel and trust your instincts but since you see the smoke no fire you approach with caution and luckily for you you find a flare gun and some food Mm. and somehow that you know you you find these things you get lucky so next do you uh, next thing you know about 50 feet away you spot a black bear okay so do you a hide in the wreckage and hope the bear moves on or B, very slowly put distance between yourself and the bear and get away from the wreckage. The second one, B. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you you don't... <laughs> Say that again? I said I wouldn't hide like a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I think so many women are offended by how you're talking right now. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to, you know, don't be too chicken. I mean, come on. But. No. Yeah. You know, well, you don't know if you could sit in that thing forever and they could just be doing like laps of the wreckage and you never get out. You know what I mean? That's you right. Like just sitting, sitting bait in, in the, in the plane. Right. Like the bear doesn't care if there's fire and smoke. It'll come in there and get no. you anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. So you just want to get, you know, cautiously get distance between both threats, you know, the plane yeah. and the bear. And hopefully yeah. there's enough debris to keep the bear distracted. So you'll be good to go. <laughs> so uh, 
because the bear is about 50 feet away and has not even noticed you, you have the opportunity to try and get further away quietly so you don't, you know, obviously get the bear interested in you. Hiding in the wreckage is kind of not really a good idea because of the smoke and risk of fire. It could kill you. Uh, you are slowly moving away from the wrecked airplane and the and the bear when the bear starts to come slowly in your direction now. Okay? So do you, A, turn and run, or B, just stand calmly and still? I feel like staying calm. I feel like we ran, that just like gives him like the prey to run after. <laughs> be like, oh, exactly. that looks fun. Like a cat, when they see something move, they want to get it, you know? Exactly. You nailed it. Yeah, you're going to... You're going to basically take a predator and and turn his instincts on when you, as soon as yeah. you start running. It is it's normal. It's almost like even for us as humans, you know, you, something starts to run, you want to chase it. You know, it's kind of yeah, it's kind of an instinct in all of us predator, you know, apex mammals that we are. Um, and you know, especially with bears, you know, there's a lot of uh, you know, best practices and theories you see out there with bears, like get big and say, shoe bear, shoe bear. And, you know, basically, you know, treat it like a big rodent and scare it away. But, um, you know, only the survivors, only the survivors know what really works. (laughs) So, but yeah, you want to, you want to just remain calm at a minimum. Uh, so turning and running could trigger the bears, uh, you know, predatory, you know, instincts like we talked about, but, this does not seem to work as the bear is still headed your way. Okay. You remain calm. You're looking at it. He's looking at you. Luckily, the bear is not charging you, though. Okay. There is a difference yeah. in their body language, right? If it's just meandering kind of in your direction, it's like, okay, that's, that's better than when he starts striking his big paw against the ground <laughs> and starts huffing. And, you know, then the charge is probably next. So do you, A, get loud and get big? as I already kind of gave away, or B, stay quiet and see what the bear does next. Oh, I would probably still stay quiet. (laughs) I know. Yeah, I don't. There's a part of me, too, that would probably be like, you know what? Why would I start yelling, shoe bear, shoe bear, and getting all big? And when, you know, but it's once again, the the people who have survived say that this works. <laughs> but of course, dead people can't talk, and they could have been waving <laughs> their arms and yelling and screaming and well. <laughs> the right answer, according to some of the philosophy out there, is get loud and get big. Uh, black bears, though, here's the thing: black bears tend to be the least ferocious of bear, right? Uh, your brown bears, especially like your big Kodiak grizzly type brown bears, those are the ones that are very aggressive. And there's probably not really much you're going to do because if they're hungry, they're just, they don't care, right? Um, and then, of course, the most aggressive because they're always hungry are polar bears, right? Like oh, they, okay. yeah, so it's usually the order is black bear, brown bear, then polar bear. Uh, as far as levels of aggression. Um, So, getting big and loud, waving your arms, and making a a steady stream of sound can sometimes cause the bear to stop in its tracks and run off. This would not be recommended if it were a brown bear or a grizzly bear, as we already discussed. Sadly, though, none of your tactics work, okay? And the bear is getting closer and closer. So, you might need to start getting ready to 
have the boxing Run. match of your life. Okay? <laughs> yeah. So, do you A, get away from the bear by going back to the wreckage and climbing on top of it, <laughs> or B, lie down and play dead? Ooh. Yeah. I Tough think one. You lie down. But I, I, I just think... Yeah, it's it's you got to pick like almost like what's the what's the least of the the two threats? That's what we're for, like, burning on death the- and fire or the bear, right? Yeah, it's like water or fire. Hmm. Both shit. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we could like work out a deal. I could be like, hey man, like you know, let's just be friends. <laughs> no, look, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go with play dead yeah it it is it is another popular tactic with bears have you seen that leo decrapio movie uh i forget the name of it where he uh he doesn't really speak the entire movie i think he like won an oscar too and he didn't say like but three words in the entire movie but he there's a really great um bear attack scene in there and he does that he plays and of course this is obviously hollywood it's not real but he does play play dead. He gets super still, and you know, hopefully, tricks the bear into thinking that okay, this is this thing is dead. I don't, you know, yeah. I, this is no fun. Boring. I'm just gonna, yeah, it's yeah. boring. I'm gonna go somewhere else, you know. Um, but so there is there is some best practices out there that say you know to lay down and play dead and make yourself really unattractive to this uh, to this predator. Um, so you're right, according to these answers. All right, good job. Um, while there is no tried and true answer for surviving a bear attack, it is often recommended to play dead. So the bear sees you as a non-threat um, and you know, hopefully moves on. Also, bears are great climbers, so climbing on top of wreckage doesn't exactly keep the bear away, but it just puts you in yeah. flames, you know, and now you're just dealing with two threats at the same time. Yeah. Um, lying flat... Okay, so there is a way to do this. Like, it's almost like what they trained us. You know, if a grenade gets thrown in your direction, you're basically the body position protects you from any fragmentation. So, the rule is: is you put all your you put your chest against the ground, you cross your legs, which by doing so, your femoral arteries run interior of your thighs, right? So when you cross your legs and you put your thighs together like that, you're actually protecting your femoral arteries. And then you're okay. taking your hands and clasping them behind your head. Your elbows come in tight. So now you're protecting the back of your neck. You're bringing your arms in tight around your head, protecting your head. You've got your organs, all your vital organs against the ground. And the only thing which is still bad that you're giving up is your spine. But you got to give up something. There's no perfect yeah, remedy yeah. to this, you know. But if you're going to play dead, make sure you do it in a way that protects you if, if the bear starts to claw and bite at you, okay? The bear is headed your way, and when he pauses by the wreckage, you remember you have a flare gun. <laughs> so do you, A, shoot the bear in the face with the flare gun and scare it off, or B, shoot the flare gun into the wreckage and blow the whole fucking thing up with the bear as well, right? Which one are you going to do? How far away am I from the wreckage? <laughs> oh, you're probably, what, 50 to 100, 100 feet away? You're not You're not that far. So it's like 
Aim for the big target or aim for the small target? The bear being the small target in this case. What happens if you hit him and just make him more angry? What about if you just put the flare up in the air and then it gets distracted and then you can run? <laughs> yeah, that's that. I mean, hey, that's a, that's not a bad idea either. And aggravate the bear, like put in that direction so he looks in and be like, hey, what's that? And then run. <laughs> that's what I would <laughs> Hey, look over there. Yeah, look. Oh, is that a bird? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I... Yeah, I think that's a that's a good answer. I think also shooting the flare gun into the wreckage and and getting and blowing that thing up. It also serves a secondary purpose, right? You're creating more smoke and more flame for any rescue aircraft that are coming looking for you, and at the ta- same time potentially scaring that bear off. A large explosion yeah. will certainly make a bear run. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I, I think, think I was just, I was more like the. Will it blow up and then hit me with all its bits? Like, am I too close? Like, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Well, you can get behind a tree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All, all good thought processes. And, uh, yeah, so congratulations. You got more right than wrong, so you have survived this podcast. Good job, Blonde Bomber. Um, hey, I really do appreciate you taking the time out. I know you're busy. Uh, you spe- oh, especially since you moved, just moved to the UK. And, uh, so I appreciate you taking the time and spending it with me today. Uh, where oh, can good. everyone find you, find out about your next fights and maybe even sign yeah. up for your, uh, fans only when you stand it up or buy some dirty socks. Where can they find all this? Yeah. Um, look, um, Instagram at ebony, E-B-A-N-I-E underscore bridges. Or I think if you just type in Blonde Bomber, it might come up. Um, that's on Instagram. And then obviously also on Twitter is just at ebony bridges. And um, pretty much, you know, Insta is what it is with all the photos and stuff. But if you want good bants and laughs and, and um, you know, might see more of my personality, I think that's Twitter because I just don't hold back on Twitter. So Twitter is always fun for me. Um Whereas, um, you know, the Instagram is a little bit more like just pics and like my daily stuff. So, I mean, I think if you can follow me on both, you can also follow me on TikTok um, at, uh, I think it's, oh God, maybe Evan Bridges official on TikTok. Um, but yeah, that's it. All right. Awesome. So there you go, listeners. I, and like I always say, you, uh, I, I'm following her. So whoever I'm following, they're, they're people that have been on the show. So you just go look at my following. You'll find her real easy right there. If you can't, if you can't see, yeah. you know, I mean, if you, if you really suck that bad at searching for people, maybe you shouldn't be on social media. I'm just saying, but, uh, anyway, thank you very much for coming on board and I appreciate hanging out with you and I wish you the best of luck with, uh, when it, do you have a next fight scheduled or don't have the date yet, but we're looking for the end of August, hopefully soon. And that'll be my, for my first, uh, world title defense. And then after that, we'll be looking to buy and then obviously get all the belts. So, yeah. Nice. All right. Well, we'll be watching. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. And uh, listeners, hey, you know, like I always say, keep it simple because crisis will complicate the rest and be safe out there. Till next time. Can You Survive This Podcast is a production of Calvary Audio and iHeartMedia. Recorded live from a secure location here in Dallas, Texas. Produced by Brandon Morgan, Jeff Apple, and Clint Emerson. Executive produced by Keegan Rosenberger and Dana Brunetti. For Calvary Audio, I'm Clint Emerson.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. 